Um, let me just uh, give you a quick recap. Last week, Pastor Well spoke about the Holy Spirit as the mover and the cause, the upholder of revival. And indeed, without His power, without the intervention of the Holy Spirit, there can be no revival. And that is our adventure. That's our mother's statement. That is the statement of all statements in all of this revival uh, discussions and sermons that we are uh, doing. It's the Holy Spirit who moves, who intervenes. Now, our text today, Ezekiel chapter 37, affirms that. Affirms that without the Holy Spirit power, we could not do anything because it's the Spirit who gives life. That is very clear in the chapter that we have just read. But now I want us to realize that revival is not just being revitalized or being awakened from your slumber or from your sleep. That is not just revival. Revival, as what we have read in chapter 37, is resuscitation from death. From nothingness to being. And this is the theme of Ezekiel chapter 37. But today... I want us to discuss three major metaphors that we find in the entire chapter 37. And with our short time together, we will examine what they represent. And we hope that with these metaphors, we would be able to see and examine our spiritual state and our condition. We will also see the redemptive, regenerative, and the creative powers of the Holy Spirit. And Lastly, God's covenant to us, his promise of renewal, revival, and union with us. So today, I've entitled this sermon, From Death to Life. And I've mentioned there are three metaphors, three symbolisms that we find in the text. Assuming that this is the class, what are these three symbolisms that you uh, discovered or you found in the entire chapter 37. Siguro parang classic kunwari. When I was still teaching, um, I would ask my students, so what are, who are the main characters of the story? I, I, I would ask them. They will look at me and I will look at them and suddenly they will uh, put their hands, I mean put their heads down because they don't want to be cold. Magtawag kaya ako ngayon. I will not make it difficult for you. There are three metaphors, three symbolisms. The first would be the bones, and we could find that in chapter, I mean, verses 3 to 7. The second would be the breath, which we could find in verses 9 and 10. And the third would be the sticks, which you find in verses 19 to 22. So these three metaphors. Very interesting, these three important metaphors are connected with each other. And it's interesting how these three reflect the truth about our lives, our existence, the reality of our existence, and our condition as human beings, these three. And it was powerfully and creatively presented in Ezekiel chapter 37. Let me digress a bit and explain to you, and perhaps let's just review who Ezekiel is. We know that Ezekiel is a prophet, at the same time a Levite, who was exiled to Babylon. Now, as all the call of all the prophets of the old, the call of the prophet is to give the oracle of God, and we already know oracle means bring, you are 
heralding the truth of God about the punishment of God and the promise of restoration. So, Ezekiel is no different from that message. But, interestingly, itong chapter 37, chapter 37 is peculiar because of all the chapters, it presents to you uh, the Spirit of God as really the mover, as the upholder, and the one who intervenes for there to be a revival. And not just a revival, I mean awakening, not just that. Resuscitation from death. And these are the metaphors that we have seen there. So, I'll start with the first metaphor. And I hope you're ready. Are you ready? Okay. The first metaphor would be the bones. Dead bones here depict the whole house of Israel. Very clear. Verse 11. Let me just read that to you. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Israel representing also humankind, all of us. These bones depict the whole house of Israel dried up, cut off, and without hope. And if Israel represents the entire humankind, we already know these people have become repetitiously rebellious against God. Let's start from the very first story in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve became disobedient. They were given this option. You could eat every fruit there. You could probably touch every herb there. Everything. You could name the plants. You could name the animals there. But don't eat on this fruit, on this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is a choice. Call it free will if you want. But that's what I'm saying. If that is free will, why did they still choose to disobey God? That's what I'm saying. I've, I think I've mentioned here in this puppet, free will is not the issue. Martin Luther said that. The issue is what controls, who controls your will? And it continues. It's repetitious. The first murder in recorded history. Cain and Abel. The first murder was not even between neighbors. The first murder was between brothers. Then right up, time after time, right up, up until Deuteronomy 30, they were already warned that they need to choose and to be obedient to God. But did they choose God? Did they obey? No, they did not. So, that is the problem. These bones represent Israel. Their repetitious, rebellious stance and posture against God. The bones represent their non-existence, their hopelessness, their lifelessness. We can see that. Now, the immediate context of this, if you will read, according to the Bible scholars, itong chapter 37, the reason why there were bones there is because of uh, Ezekiel chapter 6. So you could probably read them side by side. Now, this is not just bones uh, or corpses. It's really just like that, as you can see in the picture. It's just akin to an inanimate object. They are akin to, be, to rocks. No life. No none whatsoever. 
And so, Ezekiel was called to prophesy to these bones. The irony is this. If Jeremiah was called to prophesy to people, ang sabi kay Jeremiah, you prophesy to people. But anyway, your people that you prophesy uh, to will not listen to you anyway. Imagine, parang, sige, magpastor ka sa living word, pero yung mga taga-living word, hindi naman makikinig sa'yo. Kay Jeremiah yon. Sabi kay Ezekiel, you prophesy not to, ala- to, to living creatures, to inanimate objects, dead bones. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine me sabihin sa akin ng Panginoon, sige, magpasul ka sa living word, tapos, una-una, hindi sila makikinig sa'yo. Pangalawa, para lang silang mga patay. Could you imagine that? But even before they came into the state of being dead, in Deuteronomy 30, they were already given a commandment. Let me just bring you to Deuteronomy 30. If you have Bibles with you, let us read Deuteronomy 30, uh, 15 to 19. Let me just read that to you. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So if you obey, you will take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Choose life. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. This is not telenovela. We already know what will happen. Did they choose life? As early as Deuteronomy 30, did they choose life? No, they did not. Deuteronomy 30 is already an invitation to them and to us to choose life. Have we chosen life? Are we choosing life? I don't think so. We, we, we haven't. Obviously, looking at the Israelite as a representation of the entire humankind, we don't. We never choose life. Israelites, like us today, fell into a vicious cycle. They entered into a vicious cycle of sin versus a virtuous chain of godliness. The Israelites fell into that a never-ending act of outward, only an outward repentance and returning to their old ways and it was indeed a vicious cycle. Paulit-ulit, it's, it's tiring. I would often hear that with my wife. I said, it is tiring. Yeah, so I said, we are in a vicious cycle. This has become the reality of our lives. I will ask you, are you in a vicious cycle or in a virtuous chain? 
we are we all are trapped in a vicious cycle of sin and this vicious cycle leads us to death this vicious cycle of the Israel led them to death that made them to be dry bones that led them to that condition their sins made them dead vicious cycle that brought us death and death my dear friends the condition of the first metaphor bones representing death death my dear friend is not a concept it's a reality death is a reality and many of us are existing but not living so we are existing in death there is what i call the existence in death that's possible na kayo ay nag-e-exist lang pero hindi kayo nabubuhay how many of us right at this very moment are like that you are just merely existing you are just like a breathing organism parang unicellular organism if you remember your bio- biology para kalang protozoa or a multicellular organism uh, prokaryotic eukaryotic a living organism you are just a breathing organism but you don't live you just merely exist because you exist in death or perhaps you are wag naman protozoa kasi unicellular a sophisticated protozoa <laughs> you exist bakit ko sinabing probably we just exist and we never live because for me to live Living a life is characterized by fulfillment, joy, happiness, pleasure, adventure, hope, love. Don't you agree with me? That's what it means to live. For us to live is to find pleasure. We are, you are created for joy. You are created for pleasure. And that's biblical. Don't think you're here to just go on with the sufferings of life. No, you are created for joy. Don't think you are not. You are. And that is why we're looking for it. We're finding it. But the problem is that living in joy means living a life. But the problem is that is not our state. Our state is this. We are existing in death. We are just existing. We were taught that living means to seek the pleasure of sex, money, power. It's all about flesh. You know, as a created being, we are created for a greater and larger reality. Human beings are not created for sex, are not created only for money. You're not just created for the clothes that you wear, for the Instagram posts that you will post on your social media, or for your FB posts. You're not created for that. I think you will agree with me, you are created as a human being for greater things. Love, joy, peace. For greater things. The problem is, we were taught with a lie that life is about that. Sex, money, flesh, and worldly pleasures. We are wired to find joy. We are wired to find happiness. 
The problem is we're scratching the surface, we're barking at the wrong tree, we're finding happiness, we're finding joy in the wrong places, in the wrong person. You know why? Because we exist in death. We are dry bones. That metaphor is very powerful. And that existence in death forces us to hide from God and to justify our rebellious action. Look at what happened to Adam and Eve. Anong ginawa nila? Nung dumating ang Panginoon, hinanap sila. Anong ginawa nila? Natago sila. That's what we do. We hide, we run away from God. And then we justify our wrong action. That what happened to Cain and Abel. Sabi ng Panginoon, bakit mo, nasan ang kapatid mo? Where's your brother? Ang sagot niya, Am I my brother's keeper? They justify. Our existence in death reflects our posture against God. We run away from Him. Why? Because we are not prepared. We do not know what it means to live in a greater, bigger reality bigger, greater reality of love, hope, peace, joy in God. We don't know that. There's a show, uh, there's a movie, 1998 movie. This will show how old I am or how young I was. Fourth year ako nito, fourth year high school. Jim Carrey played the role of Truman Burbank in this uh, Truman show. It's a film. Now, if you will watch that, unknown to him, every person that he interacted in his life are all actors. Shalang ang totoo. He thought that he's living a life, but actually, he is living inside a reality show. Pati yung kanyang girlfriend, pati yung kanyang... Pero, you cannot control people. Meron sarang sinisetup sa kanyang babae, but eventually, he, he, he fell in love with another girl. In many ways, as persons existing in death, we all live like true men. We only want to live in a reality we want to believe. We only want to exist. We are so comfortable with a lie that for us, it appears that is the only way to live. We are afraid to know the truth. We are, I mean a person who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are afraid of him. We are in existence of that, run away from him. Because that is our posture of existence in death. We run away from this man who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are so afraid to know our bigger and greater reality. We are so enjoying and we are so into our smaller, menial sins. Very tasty. Because of our existence in that, we do not know that there is one who is calling us to live in his way, his truth, and in his life. We have lived all our lives in that. That real life, real living, yung kinabi ko kanina, real living frightens us. You don't want to admit 
that you are in a bad relationship that only brings you misery because you don't want to leave that person. Because for you, that person is everything. You don't want to leave your illicit relationship because for you, that is something that you need. But are you created for that? You're created for a greater thing. You're looking for a love of your life only to find out that there's no one, no one for you because God is calling you. You don't want to believe that the sinful thing that you do will not make you happy. It will give you a momentary pleasure. Who says it won't? It will. It will give you momentary pleasure. But it will never give you joy. You are created for joy. But you settle for something that is less. And that's what I am telling you, my dear friends. Don't settle for anything less. Get and absorb and welcome the greater, the bigger reality that awaits you. Pero mas gusto niyo yung maliliit. Gusto niyo yung puchu-puchu. Ayaw niyo ng great, big, you don't want to live, you just want to exist. We don't want to live because truth frightens us. When I answered the call of God, I was afraid to know that truth. Sinabi ko nga, courtroom should be the hub of my career, not the pulpit. I should be in the bench or in the bar. I shouldn't be here. Because I'm afraid that probably God might be calling me. But he promised that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And that's why I'm here. That's why we are here. The bones, my dear friend, represent our state, our spiritual condition, dead without any hope. This is very clear in these verses. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler who exercised authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Another verse that proves this is in Ephesians 2, 3, and 5. We too all previously live among them in our fleshly desires. We want the small-time pleasure. We don't want the big-time joy. That's the problem. Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. Could you imagine? Flesh and thoughts. Pati sa inyong isipan, it's good that I cannot see your thoughts. Otherwise, I know I'll be distracted. And we were by nature under children under wrath as the others were also. But did God stop there? No, he didn't. He said, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. And the reason why we were made alive is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that caused us to have life from being dry, lifeless bones for us to, ha- to live. Without the presence of that Spirit of God, there will be no life. In Titus 3, 5-7, He saved us. Not because of work done by us in righteousness. Because you cannot do anything good work. Because you are dead in your trespasses. You are all dead in your trespasses. You have no life. 
But according to His own mercy, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, so reflective of 37, whom He poured out as richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It is the Spirit. And that leads us to our second metaphor. From being dead... God caused you to have bones, to have flesh, and God calls you and gives you spirit. Life, that leads us to the second metaphor, breath, which symbolizes life, vitality, and activity. And I've mentioned it here. Nung sila ay tinawag ng Panginoon, nabiligyan sila ng buhay, hindi lang sila ginawang parang palito, kalansay na naglalakad. They were given, they were restored to their bodies. Why? Because it gives them vitality and activity. What can a kalansay, you know, a skeleton can do? It will be frightening, right? But God did not stop them. When the breath of life was given to them from dead bones, and now they were given flesh and they were given life, they were given not only life, but vitality and activity. In fact, in verse 10, they appeared to be a great army. So, the breath symbolizes life, living. Let me just read to you verse 9 and 10. It says there, Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord your God, come from the four winds, and this gives the four wind represents the all the vegetation all life forms and o breath and breathe on this lane that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army imagine when god calls you to life he did not just call you to life and leave you alone there god restored them Gave them hope in verse 12. Therefore, prophesy to them and, and thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Imagine from nothingness to being. And hindi na tumigil ang Panginoon doon. Sabi niya, I will even cause you to be uh, resurrected from your grave and I will bring you to the land. Isn't that the creative power of God? This is true in our lives. When you have not yet known Jesus Christ, we were all dead in our trespasses. We were were all like those dry bones. But God spoke to us when we heard the prophecy of God, when we heard the gospel, and when we heard of it, it made us alive. And that gospel changed the way we see things. I have mentioned earlier that there is greater reality. Am I right? Far greater reality why you exist in this world. You are not just created for sex, for money, for pleasure. You are created for a greater purpose. You are created into the image and likeness of God. And therefore, you are created by God and you are created for God. And therefore, your greatest joy 
your greatest pleasure, your greatest value can only be found in God and in God alone. Outside that, there can be no significance. And that is the reason why prophets are calling the people of God to repent. Because repentance is not just mere acts of contrition. Di ba napaliwanag ko? Ang repent ba lang, of course, kasama to sa repentance, yung nagsisisi ka ng kasalanan mo. Pero what is repentance? Sige nga, what is repentance? Sa mga nakikinig sa YouTube at Facebook, what is repentance? How do you define repentance in Bible? Change one's mind. We need to reframe our minds. We need to reframe our mind about God. We need to reframe our mind that we need God. He is the reason why we exist. We can only find our true joy in Him. Kaya hinahanap natin sa relasyon. Wala naman sa relasyon ang inyong kaligayahan. You're the people that come into your life. I would dare even say, even your spouses, even your children will disappoint you. I know that. I always disappoint my wife every now and then. You ask her. Oh, I already said Donna. I know I disappointed her many, many, many times. Vicious cycle. But I am so happy that she found her joy and true joy not in me, but in God. So because of God, we are still living together. Sabi ko nga, we are, we're living out for 12 years. It should, just ha, it should have just been two, had it not been for God. So now we're 12. But what I'm saying is that we need to reframe our minds. We are looking happiness, or searching for happiness at the wrong places. Consider this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But as it is written... What no eyes has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now, our common understanding when we read these kind of verses, it pertains to heaven. But when I have read the entire chapter 2, it appears to me that it's not just about heaven. Let me offer to you uh, this reflection. For me, reading it closely, it refers to the wisdom of God. Ang sabi niya, if we have the wisdom of God, if we understand God, if we know God, no eyes has seen, no ear heard, no the heart imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. If we understand what it means to be loved by God, and therefore, I would say what it means in this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, is the call of God, yung breath. It means, what, it means God imparting to us His wisdom. His wisdom to understand Him. Wisdom to fully comprehend what it means to be with Him. Wisdom what it means to be loved by God. Wisdom what it means to really live and not just exist. But do we know that? We don't because we don't know God. We are finding happiness in the wrong places. We are existing in death. We are hiding from God instead of knowing Him, instead of searching Him. 
we don't know what it means to be loved by God. Or we don't want to be confronted by that love. Because you know that the love of God will change your habits. Because you know that the love of God, the wisdom of God, will tell you to stop that illicit relationship. You know that the love of God, the wisdom of God, will tell you to stop that. We are afraid. Beautifully, sabi ng 1 Corinthians, but no eyes have seen, no ears have heard. There's wonder, there's beauty. I've mentioned earlier that we are created for joy. We are created for pleasure. Look, this is what God is promising you. I am promising you of a greater pleasure than your sins. I am promising you of a greater hope than what your boyfriend or what your spouse could give you. Naniloko kayo. I could give you a better and brighter future ahead of you. But you are still searching it in the wrong places. We don't know what it means to discover the beauty of God. We don't want to know what's the future that God has in store for us. Sabi ko sa asawa ko, natatakot ako sa Pilipinas, baka wala naman tayong future doon. <laughs> That's a small truth. I don't know. Is God calling you somewhere? Are you afraid to know the truth? that perhaps it's time for you to leave Singapore? I don't know. Because we are afraid to be confronted and for our usual and convenient life to be disturbed. We don't want that. Who wants to be disturbed? Certainly not me. But if we know what it means to know God, that we are called as the metaphor, breath, life, if we know what it means to live, we will discover our search for life will be over. The limited lies that we believe or that we have been taught to believe or we fed ourselves to believe, we have fed into ourselves or even we have fed to others. Ang masama, meron ka ng kamalian, meron ka ng kasalanan, sinasabi mo pa sa iba, alam mo, ito yun eh. Yun pa, mas masama, you're multiplying that. But when we see God, when we have the life of God, when we receive the breath of God, we see now the beauty of God, what it means to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Naiintindihan ba natin what it means to fall in love with God? Have you fallen in love with God? And if you do, no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. You should understand that love. Because that love is so deep and you are precisely created to experience that love by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God did not just call us from death to life. He gave us this promise. And this is the third metaphor, the stick. The stick symbolizes God's call to relationship, God's ownership over His people. It represents restoration in verse 21 and 22. For the interest of time, please do read that. Revival, blessing, and salvation. Now, let me just uh, give you the immediate context of this. 
we already know that the reason why there are two sticks because it represents the two kingdoms of Israel and they were separated. And the promise of God for them to be reunited, for them to be one, is a good news for every Israelite. You know why? Because with them being one kingdom again, it means they will have a stronger nation. They will have peace and prosperity because they could defend themselves. During the ancient times, your army will be your defense. Whether we like it or not, your army is your gateway to peace and prosperity because they will protect you. But they are a divided kingdom. And you know why they're divided? Very, very simple. Very menial. Bakit sila nagkahiwalay, nag-divide? Because of a wrong advice. Because over and above, it was already prophesied. We all read that in, in the Bible. But the immediate cause why they separated, it's because of a bad advice. We know that it was the judgment of God and God had prophesied. Now, si Rehoboam, yung hari, sabi niya, nag-raise siya ng tax. Sabi nung uh, uh, nasa southern kingdom, ang sabi nila, pwede bang babaan mo yung tax? Sabi ni Jeroboam. Ang sabi nung hari, hindi. Nagmatigas siya. Itataas ko pa yung tax niyo. Ano nangyari? They were separated. God has judged them and so Rehoboam, the successor of Solomon, as you know, because he did not listen to Jeroboam's demand for a lighter tax duty. Now, it also reflects one thing, how sin cuts off people. How sin divides people. O, balikan natin ang mga buhay ninyo. Bakit kayo nagkahiwalay, mga ate? Di ba nagkasala sa inyo yung inyong mga minamahal sa buhay? Di ba? Look at that. Pero you know, the promise of the stick, the promise of that is union. Restoration of relationship. Yung mga nagkasala sa inyo, patawarin nyo na. You know, when God says, get sticks and put them into one, it's not just, you know, that metaphor, that symbolism, it means, I will unite you. I will restore your kingdom. Whatever that was taken away from you, I will return it even more. That it was meant to be loved and to be redeemed by God. But the people don't understand that. We don't understand. We don't want to understand that because we are afraid to be confronted by the truth. But going there is not easy. If you want to have that, if you want to have the stick, there's a requirement to know God, to love God. It's about relationship. So the stick represents relationship, restoration of relationship. Aling mga relationship ang kailangan ma-restore sa inyong buhay? Mga inaway nyo, batiin nyo na, kaya tatext ko na yung kapatid ko eh. <laughs> Hindi ko pa na naikwento rito. Baka nakikinig. Sorry. Text ko. What are the relationships that God wants you to be restored? Mga anak ninyo, itext nyo na kahit na walang ginawa kundi mahingi ng pera. In verse 19, let me read that to you. I will join them. That's union for Israel. Let's just read 19. It says there. 
I will join it with the stick of Judah and make them one stick and they may be one in my hand. Union. That's a representation of union. And in 22, I will make them one nation and one king shall be over them. Restoration. In verse 21, we could read there, they, I will bring them to their own land. You know, when they were exiled, that's very, very tragic in the life of an Israelite. Sinabi ko, dahil being cut off from your own native land means a cut off from your cultural identity. Ngayon, pag nag-abroad ka, parang hindi ka na umalis kasi may TFC, mayroong bagoong sa mga Filipino store, especially in Singapore, whatever you can find in Lucky Plaza are exactly what you can find perhaps in a store in the Philippines. Mas lalo sa US. So parang hindi ka nag-abroad. But could you imagine their situation then? So the promise of them to be brought up to their land is a promise of restoration to them. What are the things that God is promising you that it will be restored? God is giving you hope. Their children shall dwell there. I like that. Your, child, your children shall dwell there. For me, this is very apt. Because the reason why I stayed here is because I wanted a brighter future for my children. And I don't know where God will bring me. Baka sa Pilipinas. But there is one verse that I hold on to nung uh, pinanganak yung dalawa kong anak. In Genesis, sabi, I shall provide for you, you and your little ones. I hold on to that. So every time nagkakaanak ako, tumataas ang sweldo ko. Sana pala nag-apat ako mga lima para malaking sweldo ko. <laughs> Their children shall dwell there. You know when God speaks of children, it means legacy. It means continuity. It means it will never end. Kasi papapatuloy pati sa mga anak mo eh. Sometimes, you know, problema sa atin, we could not accept that God will bless us. Now, hindi ako nagiging prosperity gospel preacher, ha? But that is the truth. Yung nga sinasabi ko kanina, we cannot live in truth. Because we only want small pleasure. 26. I will make a covenant of peace. Beautiful. For people who live under never-ending warring factions, peace is a treasured commodity to them. Redemption. And this is beautiful. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offense. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. What good news this verse brings us. What a promise of life. And this is the message of the gospel. That you, sinful, dead in your trespasses, God has brought you to life through the power of the Holy Spirit, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He will bring you to a future, a hopeful future for you. Because He promised that they will no longer defile themselves. This is made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I am looking forward to this day. 
I am so looking forward to this day that I will not defile myself anymore. Because moment by moment, I sin. To be saved, to be saved from our shameful sins, to be free from our endless strivings, to have hope, to be forgiven. To be forgiven. To be given grace. No more of a double life. I have preached here about the double life because that is true. Double life of dual, dual existence in sin and a show off of outward holiness. No more of double life because the Lord says, I will save them from all their sinful backsliding. And they will be my people and I will be their God. No more of double life. This is very true to me because I lived a double life. I do. I did. Since na repentance naman ito, I will confess, I did. When I was younger, I, I too am like that. I've already, I'm a praise and worship leader. I, I kumakanta rin ako paminsan-minsan. Of course, I play the musical music. I, I thought and I think I'm very talented. I think I'm very intelligent. And so, I entertain the idea of atheism and agnosticism. I do not believe in God anymore. I, I, faith has eclipsed me. I no longer believe in God. But I'm in the church. I'm leading people. But I don't believe in God. It's possible. Because I've experienced it. Para sa akin, it's better to be in the church than to be outside. So it's a good club. Why not? For me, you know, what compels people to go to church is like them being compelled when they watch a basketball uh, tournament. You know how people in the Philippines especially can be drawn to basketball. Uh, buong Pilipinas, pag naglaban ng Hinebra at Alaska, parang buong Pilipinas or kay Manny Pacquiao for instance. For me, baka ganun lang. We are just making ourselves to believe in a God so that at least we won't be wayward. I've entertained that idea. I'm leading the people of God, but I do not believe in God. I have no faith. I became very, very proud. You know, in a way, I've lived a straight-laced straight life. But that's what I did. I lived a double life pretending that I have faith where I don't have any of it. Could you imagine how hypocrite I am Lord, thank you. Nagbilid pa ako ng prison worship. Ngayon, alam na ni Jelly kasi kasama ko sa church eh. I'm leading the prison worship, but I don't believe in the God that I sing to. And because of that, I became very proud and became self-righteous because I've never experienced so many sins in my life. I said, no, I can be good without God. You know what it brought me? I was unable to relate to other people's sins, to other people's mistakes. I'm very, very judgmental. I do not understand what grace is all about. I don't know it. I don't even know what it means. I became very callous and very insensitive.
But God rescued him from death, from being bones. He gave me life, and he gave me the stick. And that's why I'm here. The reason why I was converted, it's because of hope. I was given hope that no matter what I've done, I will be forgiven. That there is hope in my life. It's not yet the end. I've ended my endless strivings and I found God. And this verse, as I end, is very true to me. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Once I was alienated from God. And I made it personal. Once I was alienated from God and I'm an enemy of God in my mind because of my evil behavior. I am dead in my trespasses. I represent the bones. But now, I am reconciled in Christ through Christ's physical body, through his death, represented by the Spirit of God, the breath of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he led me to the sticks to present me holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I was forgiven. And this is true also to all of you. If you have not yet, know, yet known the love of God, if you are so afraid of the truth, God is calling you to freedom. Free yourselves. Choose life. Choose Jesus Christ. Because you know, the reason why you're able to choose him, it's because it's also him who made you alive. It's, made, it's also him who prophesied to you. If you look at the chapter 37, it was not your own power. It's not your own righteousness. As we have read in Titus, it's not you. It's God. And therefore, you can choose now. You are free to choose. Choose life. Choose Jesus Christ. He will pay your sins. Accept that truth. But you will tell me, you don't know my sins. Probably not. But you also don't know how much God loves you. I don't know if I can be forgiven. You don't know how much forgiveness God offers. A brother of mine, whenever he says that, he said, I am forgiven. I now live, and I can live now a dignified life. Wow. That's transformation. That's regeneration. And that is what God is offering you right now. Choose life. Choose hope. Choose to love God. And may you find hope in Him. May you find the love of God greater than all your sins. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that once we were alienated from you, O oh God, we were your enemies. We are dead people. But in you, we find hope. You have bred us the breath of life, the breath of spirit, and has given us hope 
the sticks that represent our union, our life, our living. And Lord, rebuke us. If we are so afraid to live in truth, because we are so afraid, we are so used living, existing in death, we are afraid to be confronted by the greater and the bigger reality that you have called us to love, to peace. You have called us to yourself. You are calling us to abandon our menial pleasures of illicit relationships, of mistrust, of anger, of pain that we should not settle for anything less except you, O Lord God, because you are the source of the, our greatest joy. You are the source of our greatest pleasure. You have created us for pleasure and we can only find that in you and in you and in you alone. Father, we thank you because you have called us that when we put our faith and trust in you, you have promise of life that there will be a day that we will no longer defile ourselves. We could no longer defile ourselves, O oh Lord, and you will save us from all our sinful backsliding. And we will be your people. We will be your own. And you will be our God to know who you are, to understand how much you love us, to understand how much peace, how much joy, and what beauty, what majesty you're offering us. But Lord, forgive us because we've settled for something that's far, far, far less in the allures of sin, of money, sex, power, and all our fleshly desires. We are looking joy, love, and peace in wrong places, in persons where we can only find them in you. Father, be with us. I don't know, Lord, whatever it is that your people are going through today. You might be calling them to be confronted by the truth in their lives. Oh, Lord, perhaps you are telling them to have hope that it's not yet the end of tunnel for them, that they can be forgiven, they can be given sticks of union, of hope, and of love. Lord, encourage your people today that they will choose life, and they can only find that life in our Lord Jesus Christ, if we will surrender our lives in this God, in this Savior if we will believe in him. And so, Father, today I pray, be with your people. Speak to them. Speak powerfully to their hearts. Touch them. Bless them, Lord. And may they feel your love for them. We thank you, Lord, for this day of being together. All this we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us all stand to receive the benediction. May the God of hope, restoration, peace, and love 
abundantly shower you with his blessing and his holy presence. May you find God as your true joy, an eternal joy and eternal truth. Now to him who is able to exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever in the name of our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God will respond with a lot. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters. And uh, thank you for those who have joined us via YouTube and Facebook. We'll see you again next week. Thank you and God bless you.